Well, you may be seated. Good to see you. I uh, am so grateful to be here, and Matt and Heather and, and all of the Destiny folks. Thank you for allowing us to be with you tonight. I, uh, I come from Oklahoma. I'm an original redneck from Oklahoma. And I was listening to Sam talk about his grandkids calling him Papa. Uh, is it Papa? Well, I, I have a new grandbaby, and I'm a first-time grandparent, and they're calling me Papa now, and so my vocabulary's changed this a little bit, uh, you know, things you used to say when your kids were small, and now, you know, I can say, it's just a little poop, it's okay, uh, things like that, and, you know, he talked about that father spirit and the fatherhood of God. And I think we never get away from that because when you have grandkids, it just immediately comes back. And one thing I notice myself doing is when my kids come home, and I have one son that is a medical supply guy. His wife is a doctor. My other son's a lawyer. He's getting ready to be married to another lawyer. So we're well equipped with our kids. But because I raised them, and we live out in the country about 12 miles from our church, and they come home, they live up in the Oklahoma City area, and you have to go through a toll gate to get back and forth. So I had this habit of saying, do you have enough money for the toll? It's a dollar and 75 cents. So I noticed the other day, they're getting ready to go home, and to my son who's in the medical supply business, my, my uh, daughter-in-law who's a doctor, and the other two who are both lawyers, I said, do you have enough money to get through the toll? <laughs> they make more money than I do. But because you're a father, you get into that fatherhood mold and that spirit. And how many of you are glad we have a heavenly father that never gets out of that and always stays in that? So that's great. And this morning, I just appreciate, you know, Paul and Chad and Philip and Jason, all of them pouring into our life. And, and uh, it was just so wonderful. And I thought it was just so good. Many of you were in Oklahoma with us back in September, and uh, it was a great time. And let me tell you one story from that. On Wednesday night, it was the last night, I was sitting with Don and Amy Crabtree. We were back in the back, and we were having the pre-service meal. Then we had another meal after uh, service. And little Cheyenne, who's about four years old, she came up to me while I was visiting with Don and Amy. And she said, uh, Pastor Mike, she said, are you old? <laughs> and I said, uh, Cheyenne, do you think I'm old? She said, I think you're kind of old. Now, this four-year-old, she said, I think you're kind of old, and she had my arm, but she said, you don't have that little hangy, flappy thing down there. <laughs> I said, good. So perspectives depends on who you are and where you're from, amen? So Matt, I want to talk about Matthew chapter 21 that you began to read tonight. So I want to go a little bit further down in the passage, and this is when Jesus, most of you know, had the triumphal entry. And the next day, everybody say next day. The next day, he was going back to Jerusalem, and he was hungry. And he passed a fig tree, and he wanted to see the fruit and eat the fruit, and there was no fruit. Big tree, a lovely tree, a lot of leaves, no fruit. And he cursed the tree. But as you go through this story, the next day, the disciples looked at the tree, and the tree was withered. It had died from the roots up, according to Scripture. 
Now, this is the passage I want to read to you because Jesus said to them, this verse 21, have faith and don't doubt. Not only will you be able to do what was done to this fig tree, you will be able to say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And if you say something to this mountain, he said, it will be done. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. I believe what Jesus said, don't you? I'm a firm believer in the Word of God. But what happens when you and I pray and the mountain is not removed? A few months ago, I began to look at this scripture. I began to I begin to pray about this scripture, and I want to give you reality. You ready for a reality check? Sometimes you and I close our eyes, and we pray, and we open one eye, and the mountain's still there. Sometimes we pray, and the mountain's still there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody, and they didn't get better? Every person in here should raise their hand. We have prayed for people, we have prayed for things, and it did not happen like we thought it should happen. So what do you do when that happens? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care about us. Lord, we're thankful that you are our God, the mighty God, the thrice holy God. And Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are going to help me preach tonight? I read an article about a young boy, he's about five years old, and he, he had been uh, taught how to pray. His mom and dad was working with him how to pray, and, and Thanksgiving rolled around, and so the mom said, honey, uh, you've been trying to learn how to pray. Would you pray over the Thanksgiving meal? And he said, sure, mom, I'll pray. So he began to pray, and his prayer went like this. God, thank you for the turkey. Thank you for the dressing. Thank you for the gravy. Thank you for the mashed potatoes. Thank you for the corn. Thank you for the green beans. Thank you for the pecan pie. Thank you for the pumpkin pie. Thank you for the cool whip. But then he stopped and he said, Mom, I didn't thank God for the uh, broccoli because he knew I wouldn't be honest. <laughs> you see, sometimes when we pray, we pray and we believe, but yet we don't always see what we think we should see. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. So should we pray? Yes. Should we believe? Yes. Do we receive? Absolutely yes. And we're instructed to pray over and over and over again. Now I grew up in a generation and a time where we took the model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How many of you prayed that in, in elementary school and junior high and high school? Now, most of you know schools, secular schools, can't do that anymore. And I'll guarantee you our nation's the worst because of it. But prayer's good. We should pray at all times. Paul said pray without ceasing. And certainly we can do that. But can you think of a time that you have prayed and you prayed and you prayed for something and it did not turn out like you wanted it to turn out? So here's a reality check. What do we do when that happens? And I think there's some things in the Word of God that will help us because you have mountains, I have mountains, and sometimes they're huge mountains. Mountains of ministry and missions and marriage and finances and jobs and children and health, depression, death, loss, broken families, relationships busted up. So we would have never been told to have the mountain removed if there were no mountains to remove. Agreed? So, 
Jesus said, speak to the mountain, it would be removed. So why isn't it being removed? I want to give you tonight five things that we need to look at why sometimes our mountains are not removed. Here's number one. Sometimes it's for the lack of faith. Sometimes we are just not believing like we should believe. Jesus went back to his hometown Nazareth, and he was there on the Sabbath. He was teaching, and as he taught, there was a murmuring around the synagogue. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't his brothers with us? Isn't his sisters with us? Where did he get this knowledge? Where did he get this wisdom? And how is he doing these mighty works that he's doing? That's where we have the scripture. A person is not without honor except among his own family and his own country. So in that passage, Mark 6, 6, this is what it says. He was amazed at their lack of faith because he could do no mighty miracles there. The lack of faith is something that we all have to struggle with. See, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because if we have faith, if we believe in Him, and we diligently seek and search after Him, the Bible says that He is a rewarder of people who do that. You remember the first session? That we ought to have some boldness and courage? The Bible says, cast not away your confidence because it has great recompense of reward. Faith is rewarded. Boldness and courage is rewarded. So we have to have faith to believe God for what we're praying for. The second thing is sometimes we just pray for wrong things. We just pray for wrong things. Now, we ask amiss according to the scripture and he's not talking about a girl, he's not a miss. He, he said, we ask a miss, we ask for the wrong things, and we need to ask in the will of God. Now, sometimes for me, it's a little difficult to know what God's will is. I don't know about you, but sometimes I kind of struggle with that. So we need to ask in the will of God, and the only way that we can find the will of God is have that transformed, renewed mind that we might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we're looking for the will of God and the wisdom of God so we can know what we should pray for. The third thing is sometimes we don't know how or what to pray for. So we need help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some help. So sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Have you ever said this? Lord, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to fix this. Sometimes I don't even know how to fix it. I don't even know what the problem is to fix. So we're at a standstill, or we are admissibly uh, challenged, or at a uh, loggerhead with our situation. But the Bible gives us some help in Romans 8, because the Bible says that there are times we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for us to help us to know how to pray. And I have many times thought, God, I really don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to get this mountain removed. I don't even know how to even approach this situation. Years ago, and I've shared this a couple of times with some of you, we had a couple in our church that was causing problems. Did anybody ever have anybody in your church ever cause problems? If you lie, you fry. Okay. We've all had problem children, right? 
So we have this couple, and this young man is very talented. He's talented musically. He's one of our teachers. He preaches for us sometimes. And th there was some trouble there. A lot of it came through his wife. And it got so difficult. Uh, some of you are smiling and nodding at me because this is deja vu for you, isn't it? And I thought, I've got to deal with this. But anyone you deal with in a church has tentacles that are attached to somebody else. So I'm, I'm thinking, how do I deal with this where it doesn't create this ripple through the church? So I'm, I'm praying about it, I'm thinking about it, and, and I didn't rush in like the Marines to, you know, storm the beach. And one day I'm coming in to the church and I'm walking down the sidewalk, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I didn't hear a booming voice from heaven. It says, don't do anything, I'm going to move them. And, and I look around like somebody's there, and, and, and I thought, what, what is this? And the Lord spoke to me, it was very clear, don't do anything, I'm going to move them. So I didn't do anything. So I, I just, you know, trusted the Lord because I didn't know how to fix it without it being a huge issue. So about three or four weeks later, we're in the back, in the fellowship hall, before church, we serve donuts. Anybody serve donuts in your church? You are holy. You'll get that on the way home. So anyway, we're serving donuts back there, and the guy's there, and I walk up, and I visit with him. And he said, Pastor Mike, he said, we're going to have to move. And I said, really? <laughs> he said, our job has changed, and we're going to have to move and leave the church. I, I had this unique desire to say, I already know that, but I didn't say that. So I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know really uh, what to pray for. But I had some help from the Holy Spirit just to back off and let God do what God was going to do. You see, we need help, and the Holy Spirit gives us insight, not only how to progress, but how to process the needs that we have. And that's why, as believers, when we look at the mountains and the issues, whether it's in missions, or in your church, or in your home, your family, sometimes we just have to have the divine help of the Holy Spirit, because we are not that smart. I'm sorry to mean to offend you. I'm not that smart. I need God's help to help me with these issues. The fourth thing is sometimes we give up on our prayers. We really don't stick to what we're praying for, believing, having the help that we need. We just give up on our prayers. About, uh, well, it's been almost three weeks ago now, I got a phone call and there's a gentleman in our church, a family. We love them. They've been there for many years. And he had some medical issues. He had to go into the hospital. His wife fell and broke her wrist. They have three children. And, uh, you know, doctor's bills and hospital bills are very cheap. They're, they're not very costly. And uh, so they, they had the difficulty of the hospital bills and, and the medical situations. They were out of work for a while. So we as a church, we come in to help them. Now, it's Christmas time, and you can only help people so much. I mean, you can't help everybody with everything in your church, and neither can we. So he said, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I don't know if I've got enough money to even buy my kids anything for Christmas. And, and I said, Jack, I said, just trust God. I, I don't know what else to say. Just trust God. That was a mountain for him. I, I'm getting ready for Christmas. Can't buy my family anything. I said, just trust God. He said, okay. So he's concerned about it. Comes to me again. I said, "Listen, Jack, just trust God." And then someone that uh, of faith that he knew also called him 
one morning that was right before Christmas Eve. And he's trying to encourage him. He said, Jack, come on, just trust God. Well, I've been telling him to trust God. His friend tells him to trust God. So he goes to work. He has to work on Christmas Eve. He works at a restaurant. He's a manager. And they're going to close at a certain time on Christmas Eve so the employees can go. And some of the employees, because they were out for Christmas, uh, he had to help them wait tables. It's right at closing time, Christmas Eve, and they're getting the chairs, putting them up on the tables, and a guy with his son walks into the restaurant. Now, how many of you have ever worked in a place like that? You're ready to go, and then somebody comes in, you're obligated to take care of them. So he walks into the restaurant about the time everybody's ready to go, and Jack said, well, we're going to serve him. We're going to give him the best service that we can give. And so Jack says, I took his order. I went back, the cook cooked the meal, and uh, I served him and, and did my very best, had a good attitude. He said, when that gentleman left, he left me a $400 tip. How many of you know, sometimes we entertain angels <laughs> unaware with kids. But, but anyway, so we... <laughs> We, we, we heard that testimony, and he calls me right after that happened. He said, Pastor, can you believe that happened? He said, that never happens to me. But you kept telling me, trust God, trust God. Listen, sometimes we give up on God, and sometimes I don't know why God comes in at the 11th hour and 45 minutes, but sometimes he does. So we have to not give up on our prayers. Not only should we pray the prayer of faith, we should be faithful in prayer. Both of those are important. Let me tell you why. In your Bible, don't you love preaching to people who know the Bible better than you? I've been doing that for 42 years. Elijah goes to Mount Carmel, and he builds the altar. You know the story. But after that encounter with God, when God answers by fire, he, he takes the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the water, and licks up the dust from the earth. I mean, that's, that's powerful. But he goes to the top of Carmel, and he begins to pray for rain, for the drought to be broken. It's been about three, three and a half years it hasn't rained. So he prays. They're, they're looking out over the Mediterranean. They're looking back west. He sends his servant, and he says, give me some indication. What do you see? And he says, I don't see anything, boss. Nothing. So he prays again, sends him out, nothing. Prays again, sends him out, nothing. Prays again, sends him. he does that seven times. On the seventh time, he said, I see a cloud, kind of looks like a man's hand, coming over the horizon. Listen, Elijah gets so excited, he goes and says, tell Ahab, get down. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a toad strangler, French wrecker, gully washer. That's what we say in Oklahoma. It's going to rain, abundance of rain. But he prayed over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes we give up the sixth time, the fifth time, third time, second time. If we will be faithful in praying, God is faithful to answer. Sometimes the mountain doesn't remove the first time we pray. Sometimes it doesn't remove the second time we pray. Daniel prayed for 21 days. Why didn't God answer him the first moment he prayed? But this is what we know from Scripture. The angel said, from the moment you prayed, God heard you. 
But here's the story. There is warfare between there and here. And I have been battling with your answer from there to here. But God sent Michael, the great warring archangel, to fight my way through. So here's your answer. 21 days later, the answer comes. But the first day, the mountain is still there. The second day, the mountain's still there. Third day, mountain's still there. You see, sometimes we pray, we open our eye, and the mountain is still there. Now, Pastor Mike, why in the world would you even talk about these things? Because sometimes there are people that literally get so discouraged that they have a falling away because they didn't get the answer they wanted. I just read an article recently. There was a couple that had been praying to have a baby. They'd prayed for a long time to have a child. People prayed with them. And because they could not have a child, they left the church and renounced their faith. Here's the reality, folks. In my church, your church, and your missions, there are people that are praying. You and I are praying. We don't always see the results that we want to see. But I want to guarantee you that God is still faithful. He's still a miracle-working God. He still answers prayer. It's not on my timetable. It's not on your timetable. It's on God's timetable. And we have to trust the sovereignty of Almighty God. Because sometimes it doesn't work like I think it should. Jesus said you had to ask, seek, and knock. And it gets more intensive as he says that. If you're going to someone's house, you kind of rap on the door. If there's a fire inside, you think somebody's in there. How many of you know you, you knock a little differently? You're trying to wake them up. I mean, you know, if you're a 60s child, it's, it's you, you can put the cat outside and the cat can run back in and shut the door and you can say, Wilma. <laughs> okay, we have a few folks that understood that. But sometimes we feel like we're on the outside looking in and God said we need to be tenacious and not give up on our prayers. I don't know if you can name, I know you can name two of the spies that Moses sent out. Can you name the other ten? No, I can't either. I know one of them, the first one, Shamua. He's doing SeaWorld down here somewhere, I think. No, that's Shamu, okay. But, 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 but the other ten, we don't remember them. Why don't we remember them? Because people who don't walk in faith and seek God's will are easily forgotten. No legacy, no, no place really in history, because you know the two, you can't really give the names of the other ten. But I want to give you one name of the other ten. His name is Caleb. Now, we're going to fast forward. They're in the promised land. They're in there for five years. And now Caleb comes to Joshua, and he said, Caleb, do you, uh, uh, Joshua, do you remember, this is Caleb speaking, do you remember that Moses promised me this particular area when we spied the land out 45 years later? It was the land of Hebron, and now Caleb is 85 years old. Say that with me, 85 years old, 85. And this is his confession. I am just as strong today as I was 45 years ago when Moses made me that promise. Now, I want to give you a little uh, addendum here. I don't know how well he was able to do that at 40. 
I'm not for sure how well he's able to do that at 85. So we got to qualify his statement. I believe he's thinking, if God's with me, I can do it at 40. And if he's with me, I can do it at 85. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind makes promises my body can't keep today. So at 85, he still is saying, I'm going to take this mountain, this area around Hebron. And he said, I know the walled cities are still there. I know the Anakin is still there, and that's the giants. I mean, he's admitting this. He said, this is not going to be easy, but this is what I want you to catch. He held on to a promise for 45 years. He did not give up on that promise for 45 years. For 45 years, the walled cities were still there. For 45 years, the giants were still there. But there was a moment in time when it was the right moment when Caleb said, I'm going to take this city. I'm going to take this area. I'm going to take this land. And if God is with me, I'm able to do this. Amen. You know what Caleb's name means in the Hebrew? Dog. His name means dog. He's a vicious dog. You, you know why the, the, the nose of a bulldog slants backward? So he can bite you and still breathe and hang on. So, so Caleb is just tenacious with his promise, a 45-year-old promise. Here's the fifth thing. We fail to realize there's more than one answer. We fail to realize sometimes there's more than one answer. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. It's only three answers. I, I couldn't come up with any more answers from the Word of God. It's yes, no, or wait. Now, have you ever prayed a prayer that if you had gotten it years later and you thought about it, it would not have been to your advantage? Okay, let me give you a case in point. How many of you went back to your 20th high school reunion and you had prayed in high school, oh God, give me this girl. Oh God, give me this guy. She is the sweetheart. He is the hunk. And 20 years later, you went back to your high school reunion and you said, thank you, God. Thank you for not answering that prayer. Oh, y'all are so holy. I'm telling you, sometimes we pray for things that God doesn't give us because he knows better about your life and my life. It's yes, no, and wait. It's not the right time. You're not ready for it. You can't handle it now. It's not the thing that you should be looking for right now. You're not prepared. It's not prepared for you. Let me give you a verse. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is what he said. We need the peace of God, and it comes by us not worrying and we need to pray, and we need to give God thanks. And he says this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I'm leery of people today that have all the answers. Are you? Have you met those people that have all the answers? I don't have all the answers. It's way above my pay grade. I believe there's some things we will not understand until we get to heaven. And even in heaven, I think we're still going to be learning about an awesome God who is beyond our understanding. 
Now, he also says, this is beyond our understanding, but he says, notice this, guard your hearts and minds. Say that with me. Guard your hearts and minds. Now, let's all say it. Guard your hearts and minds. Why should we guard our hearts and minds? Because when we pray for things and we don't get what we pray for or it doesn't happen like we think it should happen, there is a chance we can become bitter and disillusioned with God. So Paul says you have to, in the midst of prayer, you have to guard your hearts. We look for the peace, but some people become disillusioned and bitter with God because God does not answer them the way they want it. So, so Pastor Mike, you know, I'm not for sure if, if you're saying what I think you're saying. Are you saying that sometimes we pray and God doesn't remove the mountain? I'm telling you this, God doesn't always act and do what we think he should do. Now let me give you a, a little illustration here that I think is just reality for all of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and lest I should be exalted above the measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, sure, Paul, I'll take it away. Have you know that's, that's not in the Bible. Now, folks, we're talking about Paul. We're talking about Paul who raised the dead, healed the sick, preached the gospel, was on two continents on mission trips, if you will. This is the guy who wrote most of our New Testament. This is the guy who saw visions and revelations. He said, I believe it was him, not even lawful for a person to talk about or utter. And here he prays and asks God, he pleads with God three times he says, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. And the Lord said, no. He said, no. Paul's saying, this is amounted to me. And God says, no. But this is what the Lord said. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I'll do this, Paul. I will exalt my grace above your need. I will exalt my power over your weakness. I know this is what you want, but it's better for you that I don't answer your prayer exactly the way you want it answered. Because Paul also knew this, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, we have the insight by Paul's own words. Lest I get elevated, lest I get lifted up, lest I have the abundance of revelation and get off track, and I get into an area that I shouldn't be in, God says, this is how I'm going to answer you, Paul. I am going to give you extraordinary grace. I'm going to give you strength made perfect in weakness. And now Paul speaks again. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, let's go back. Lord, take it away. I'm pleading with you, God. Take it away, take it away. Please, Jesus, have this thing removed from me. And the Lord says, no. 
And Paul said, I'm never going to preach the gospel again. I'm not going on mission trips again. I'm not going to pray for anybody again because you didn't answer me the way I thought you should answer me. No, it's not what happened. You see, when I begin to study this, because as a pastor, I pray for people and it doesn't always happen like I pray. And I have dealt with situations that didn't have the outcome that I wanted. And sometimes I think you do the same thing. I'm just trying to be real tonight. I'm not here telling you something new. I'm just telling you this is where we're all at. So how do we relate to this? How do we function in this when the mountain is not removed like we think it should be removed? But if you look in that passage, Paul says, I'm going to boast in this and I'm going to take pleasure in this. Come on, Paul, are you, are you real here? You're going to boast in it? You're going to take pleasure in it? Give me a physical break. But yet that's what he said. And so I have to, as Paul did, come to a realization, I must trust the sovereignty of God because his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways and his thoughts are so much higher than mine, I have to say, Lord, I submit to your way and your thought, even though I think it should be done like this. And sometimes you think it should be done like this. But yet, God has his way. Is this sometimes more than just Paul? I think so. You know, David's first son was sick. And the Bible says that David put on mourning garments, if you will, or sackcloth, and, and he didn't eat. He fasted and he prayed and he, he separated himself and he pleaded for the life of his son. And guess what? His son died. And he didn't get the answer he wanted. But notice David's response. He got up, he washed his face, he put on different clothes, and the servants were really afraid to go tell him the child was dead. But yet when they came in to tell him that, David's demeanor changed. He changed his clothes, he, he washed himself, he ate, and they said, we don't understand. While the baby was alive, you acted this way, now the baby's dead, now you're kind of having a different response. And this is what David said, I cannot bring back my son, but one thing I can do, I sure can go where he's at. See perspective. Just as little Cheyenne come up to me and looked at me and said, are you old? Let me tell you, to a four-year-old, everybody's old. It depends on how you look at it. And sometimes I have the eyes of humanity. I have the eyes of worldliness in the fact that I don't see what God sees. But yet God sees things that obviously I can't see. So there again, I have to submit myself to the sovereignty of God, just like Paul did and just like David did. Can I give you another illustration? Acts 12, Herod is persecuting the church. He arrests two people. Remember who they are? James, the brother of John, and Peter. So James is taken into custody. Peter's taken into custody. James dies and Peter is spared. But the Bible says the church is praying for both of them. Let me ask you a question. Why did God allow James to die 
but he rescued Peter. You know what my answer is? I don't know. I don't know. Same chapter, both apostles, church is praying, one is saved, the other dies by the sword. That's above my pay grade. I, I, I don't understand that. And when people give me the answer to it, I don't understand that. Because I'm, I'm leery of people who have all the answers. Because sometimes we don't have all the answers. I don't know why James died and Peter was spared. But God does. And there, I can't afford, and neither can you afford, to get discouraged, bitter, be willing to quit. God, if you're not going to do what you, what you are going to do, then I'm done. You say, Pastor Mike, do people do that? They do it all the time. They do it all the time. I, I, I know people that used to be great church people, faithful, givers, tithers. They're every service. But something happened in their personal life and God disappointed them in their mind and they walked away. They walked away. So I think for you and I, we have to be wise. We have to say, you know, I don't have all the answers. There are things in the Bible that absolutely stun me and they puzzle me. But yet, this is what I know. The Word of God is true. That somehow, someway, in my mountain, in your mountain, God's going to deal with that, and he's going to deal with it in his way. So I have to have faith. I have to believe. I have to have the mind of the Spirit. I have to keep praying. I have to continue to give myself to these things because if I don't, then I will be, like Paul said, someone whose mind and heart is unguarded, and those things could creep in and cause a rift in my relationship with Almighty God. So, here's the good news. The good news is God is going to meet our need. And he will always meet our needs through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I believe that. But it may not always be like I think it should be. Let me give you just four takeaways tonight. And we'll, we'll continue this tomorrow night. Anybody want to hear the rest of the story tomorrow night? What happens when the mountain's not removed like you think? Here's takeaway number one. You and I don't need to get disillusioned with God. We should not be disillusioned with God. When you're on the mission field, when you're in the church, when you're dealing with the family, and let me just kind of back up a little bit. When you're dealing with your own personal life, when you're dealing with your marriage and your kids, I have some families in our church, and this is the culture we live in today, that the kids have wandered from the faith. And I'm going to guarantee you, when your kids go to college, there's going to be some goofy professor there that's going to tell them that they became you, and you became you, from the goo, through the zoo, to become you. And they're going to hear that, and they're going to get with a group of people, and all of a sudden they're going to come to mom and dad and say, you know what, I just, I just don't know if I believe the Bible anymore. I, I just don't know if I, I have faith in God anymore. Now this is what Proverbs said, 
train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from that. I believe that, don't you? But it doesn't say from young to old, there wouldn't be a few off-ramps between those two. But here's the good news. There are off-ramps and then there are on-ramps back on the right path. So I'm believing for those families and for your families and, and families all through Christendom that sometimes things happen. We think, well, this is the end. And God is saying to us, even though the mountain is not removed like you think it should be, that I am still at work in your life, their life, your church life, your mission life, and I'm going to come through even if you don't think it's going to be the way you think it's going to be. And that's my hope. And that's your hope. Don't become disillusioned with God. Here's the second thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. We have to keep believing, keep praying. We have to keep praying three and believing. Not just praying, but believing. We have to keep believing that God is for us. He's not against us. And let me end with this one story. David, did you pray for your son? Yes. Did he die? Yes. Was the church praying for Peter? Yes. Was the church praying for James? Yes. James died. But there was someone who was praying in the garden. And this is the prayer. Father, let this cup pass from me. Are you listening? Father, let this cup pass from me. Can you understand the humanity of Jesus? When he knew what he was facing, that the sins of the world were coming upon him, he was going to be beat unrecognizably. His visage would be marred more than any man. The, 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 the beard would be plucked and pulled from his face. The crown of thorns on his head, the cross looming before him, this looming mountain, and this is what he prayed. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Guess what? That prayer was not answered in that humanity mind of Jesus. Aren't you glad he is human, but also he is divine? He is God in the flesh. So that humanity, that man, Jesus, the mediator between God and man, he said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. The answer is not always on my terms. The answer is not always on my terms. But how many of you glad he did drink of the cup? Aren't we glad he did go to the cross? Aren't we glad that we are saved because of what he did on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood? But yet the prayer was, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Guess what? It wasn't possible. So there is the submitting to the will and the sovereignty of God. And when we do, it tends to work out like God said it would work out. So tonight, and Matt gave me this uh, privilege Tonight, I want you to think about something that you've been praying for. I want you to think about a mountain you got. Anybody got any mountains here? I found out there's big mountains, 
There's little mountains. Sometimes people make mountains out of molehills. But everybody, at some time, at some juncture, you're going to have a mountain that seems so looming and insurmountable. You're going to say, God, what in the world do I do? I'd like for you to answer it this way. But once you pray and you fast and you open up one eye and you say, hey, it's still there. What do you do? You keep believing, stay in faith, stay in the will of God, the mind of God. Keep faithful in praying, pray the prayer of faith. And I'm going to believe what Jesus said is absolutely the truth. You can speak to that mountain and it will be removed. It will be removed. Would you stand with me? I want you to close your eyes just for one second. I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your church. I want you to think about your mission. I want you to think about your location where you're serving. And I want you to think about there is some issue, some mountain, there is some, there's some roadblock that you're facing, a friend's facing, a family member's facing, that you need help with right now. And if that's you, with that in mind, I want you to raise your hand up really high. I got mine up. Matter of fact, I'm going to raise both of mine up. I know some issues that I'm facing. That's a mountain in my life. And sometimes like Paul, we say, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And the Lord answers back and he says, I'm going to exalt my grace above your need and I'm going to exalt my strength above your weakness. And it may not be like you think. It might not be like you want. But my friend, we have a promise from Almighty God. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we can speak to the mountain and it will be removed. It may be 45 years later. Maybe next week. It may be immediately. But we have a promise from God that He's on our side because we're on His side. If you raised your hand, I want you to quickly, for any reason you raised it, would you come and stand right here with me? Just step out. We're not going to embarrass you. Just come and stand. I don't know about you, but I feel the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you. Let's all take a step forward. We got more people trying to get up here. You see the mountain? You see how it looms over us? Sometimes how big it is? Daunting it is? How in the world are you and I going to remove this mountain? We're going to have faith and just trust God. That's what we're going to do. 
Pray with me. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I believe that you're the mountain mover in my life. That thing that's exalted itself will come down. How many of you believe that? Now, right now, in your own words, in the Spirit, every how you want to pray, I want you to pray against that mountain. The Bible says, speak to that mountain, and it shall be removed. Would you speak to it right now? Oh, God, Lord, we are speaking to our mountains, the things that have been large, the things that have got in our path, the things that we're praying for, the things that are coming against us. God, we're praying right now that you would move in that situation. Father, that you would move against that. God, that we would have victory over that. Jesus, you said that we could speak to it. And tonight, we lift up our voice. We speak to our mountains. Oh, God, we speak to our mountains. And we say, be removed and cast into the sea. Oh, God, let there be victory tonight. Let there be courage tonight. Let there be faith building up tonight. This thing will be removed. This will not always stay. This is going to pass. This will not continue on and on and on. God, help us tonight. Give us your strength and your mercy and your grace. Exalt your grace above our need and your strength above our weakness tonight. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We exalt you, O oh God. You're greater than our mountain. You're greater than our problem. You're greater than our issue, O oh God. You're greater. You're greater. You're greater. You're greater. Thank you, God, for addressing my mountains and my issues that I face. Thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your strength. Lord, let it be on your terms as I cry out and I plead to you. Your ways, your thoughts, higher than mine, but I believe you're going to work in my situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for the man.